0: Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, welcome to all of you at all of our churches. I hope all of you had a great Christmas day and uh, kind of recovering from that this morning and are just re-engaging your hearts and your minds and celebrating Jesus together. Hey, today we are concluding our Christmas series entitled, It's All Good. But before we get into today's talk, um, just want to remind you that this Sunday and next Sunday is our Rise Up and Build offering um sundays where we are doing our end of the year offering and that is to is going to be used to finish up purchasing the Uh, Chipley campus that's the 10 acres in the building there that we've had the opportunity to purchase this year and also the 17 acres on our Bluntstown property which we've already paid for out of our margin account and uh, we'll replace that money out of this offering because we were already using a couple of those acres um, for our front parking lot and this will kind of clear up all of our Bluntstown land issues that we've had for the 20 something years that I've been the pastor of this church so that is a miracle and an answer of prayer and then also uh, we have the opportunity to to buy the rest of the parking lot for our Mariana campus, so that'll clear all of that up as well. So I just want to say, hey, thank you for those of you who have already given this month toward that. Um, but today, at the end of the service, you can take a check if you have a check, and you put it you put it in the giving envelopes so that were inside your worship guide, and write "Rise Up and Build" on that, so we'll know that that's what that's for. Or you can go to our app or our website and you can give to rise up and build. And as I said, for those of you that already have given, thank you so much for helping to kind of bring that season of, um, I always say, purchases that we've just been going through for the last 10 or 15 years, ever since we launched the Mariana campus and then the Chipley campus, and even over the last 20 something years, trying to finish up all the land. That has just been quite a, most of you don't know the story behind the Bluntstown thing, but I'll tell you one day of all the land chaos that has gone on there. And uh, this is just kind of God bringing all that to a closure, and I feel like it's just, okay, now we can step up and go to a whole nother level of doing missions, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Because in this series, as I've said for the last two weeks, uh, we have been trying to explain uh, through these sermons, like, what makes the Christmas story so special? What makes it so good? Because the truth is, while many of us have anticipated Christmas to this point, uh, there are many people who are very resistant to this, and, and I think for good reason, when you Hear conversation, or they have good reasons in their mind. For some people, and most people, it is the resistance is built around is it true? Because as we've said for the last few weeks, they find the Christmas story hard to believe. And so in their minds, if the Christmas story is hard to believe, well, can anything in Scripture be believed? And so if that's you and you're at one of our churches today, I'm sure you have great reasons for your questions. We're glad that you're here while you're asking those kind of questions. Is it true in your mind? Going, okay, is it really true? But here's what we've also learned over the last few years. For the past three to five years, our culture, as I've said, has reached this tipping point. So much so that in the past few years, some people, uh, their questions about Jesus and about Scripture is not just a question, is it true? Their questions about Jesus and Scripture is moved to this, is it good? Because see, in many people's minds, all religion, including Christianity, is harmful. But as we said, each week of this series, when the angels came and they announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds, this is what they said. They said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So Christmas does really answer the question, is it good? Is the gospel good? Because, see, Christmas reminds us that the message of Jesus literally is good news. And it's not just good news for a of great joy or great good news of great joy for a select group of people, but it's good news of great joy for all the people. So today, if you're with us and uh, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, really what we're hoping to do is to provide you some clarity that will really help you understand some things about Jesus that will make a relationship or help you understand that a relationship with him really is good. And for those of you that are followers of Jesus, especially if you call Rivertown Community Church your home church, I just am praying that you will be fired up by this talk today to the level that it will make you want to fully engage to make sure that everybody in our communities hears this good news of the gospel. So our goal today, really, if you want to just boil it down, is for all of us to leave here very crystal clear about the mission that God has given us as a church and why we as a church are so passionate about everybody knowing that the gospel is really good. And the best way I know to explain that is to look at some of the lives of the people that were around Jesus when Jesus was here on this earth, and they thought Jesus' message was good. So if you got your Bibles, I encourage you to take your Bibles out and follow along because I want to read you a story that took place in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5. Now, Luke is the third document in the New Testament. It's one of the four Gospels, and a Gospel is simply just an eyewitness account of Jesus' life. And so, in Luke chapter 5, we have this remarkable story that absolutely has shaped our thinking. It has shaped our heart and our passion as a church, um, as long as I have been the pastor of this church. So, this story, just for a little bit of background, it takes place before Jesus officially has called and gathered all 12 of his, his disciples, and the word about Jesus is just beginning to spread. In fact, in this story, he's just returned to his hometown of Capernaum, and he has healed a man who couldn't walk, which you can imagine created quite a buzz throughout the community because everybody's interested in what Jesus has done. And then right after that, Jesus leaves the home where all this took place, and something happens that all the religious Jewish leaders just found shocking. So let's just start in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. This is after this, literally after Jesus heals this man, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Now here's the thing, if you're not very familiar with scripture, tax collectors, they were they were really despised by the Jewish people. They were really considered the lowest of the low class in the Jewish society because see, what they were, is tax collectors were fellow Jewish people who had sold out to the Romans who were occupying the Jewish territory because they wanted to make a buck. Literally, they would place these huge taxes on their countrymen, they would pay Rome what was required, and then they would pocket all the excess that they collected for themselves. So they were very wealthy, very greedy. I mean, they were cheating people all the time. So you can only imagine when Jesus shows up and he sees this tax collector at his tax collector booth, man, all of these people, they're kind of like, "Uh, what's Jesus gonna do? Maybe they're expecting Jesus based on the teachings they've heard so much to say, hey, you you need to listen to this sermon on greed. You need to listen to this sermon on integrity. You, You need to hear me talk about having character and treating your fellow man with love. But instead, Luke tells us that when Jesus walks by this cheater in the mind of all the Jewish people there, Jesus says this to the tax collector, follow me. To which this crowd, I'm sure, is just absolutely thinking, are are you serious? We don't want this guy in our group. Like, don't don't you know, Jesus, what people are going to say? If you are seen in public with this kind of guy, a guy who lacks integrity, a guy who has no character, a guy who has cheated his fellow man, like if you're caught in public with him, it is going to ruin your image. It isn't good for your image. Why would you ever ask this guy to follow you? But here's the thing, if you study the life and ministry of Jesus, what you begin to discover is this is what Jesus did all the time. He loved spending time with people that were nothing like him. And here's why. Because Jesus saw people for who they could be, not just who they were in that moment. Don't don't miss this. This is so important for your personal application of the gospel, and that is this. One of the ways that you know that you're becoming more like Jesus is when you start seeing people for their potential, not just their problems. Don't miss that. One of the ways that you know that you're becoming more like Jesus is when you start really seeing people for their potential, not just their problems. And you don't just see them based upon their potential, but you walk toward people other people might walk away from. Because see, that's what Jesus did. And see, when you really stop and think about it, that's what makes the gospel message good, Jesus went to the least likely candidates and he said, hey, why don't you come just hang out with me for a while and then you decide what you believe about me because here's the thing you need to understand. Jesus is basically saying when he says, follow me is God's got a bigger purpose and God's got a bigger plan for your life. And you know what those people that Jesus would say this to? I mean, they would be surprised as anybody about that invitation. And this tax collector, I'm sure he was very surprised, but he's not about to miss this opportunity to get to hang out with Jesus. Notice the next part. Follow me, said Jesus, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. Now, don't you just love that? I mean, this guy who had so much in terms of wealth, he walks away from everything. He left everything because he felt like, in his heart, this was the opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, nobody else believed in Levi like Jesus did. He was marginalized, he was ostracized by everybody in that society, but not by Jesus. And for Jesus, this, or for Levi, this is good news. So he's ready to take the risk that there is a better life that Jesus is offering to him. And in his mind, based upon his little interaction with Jesus to this point, he's thinking following Jesus is good. In fact, notice what happens next. This is fascinating. You find this in verse 29. Says, then Levi held a great banquet or big party at his house for Jesus. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now, most of us. You know, we would kind of expect the story, especially if you grew up in church, when you hear this story, you would think, okay, Levi started, left everything and started following Jesus and you would expect it to go something like this. Well, then Levi quit his job. He left his partying friends, his evil, wicked friends. He got in this Bible study. He prayed for an hour every morning. He started fasting and he started showing up at church every Sunday and serving and he started helping little ladies across the street and, you know, all the other things that he might add to it. But but here's the thing we all understand about spiritual growth, and that is this. Spiritual growth, it normally happens in steps, not giant leaps. So that didn't happen overnight with Levi. But what Levi did know was that this Jesus that he had met was so remarkable that he wanted to introduce Jesus to his friends. So he's thinking, how in the world do I get Jesus and all my partying, rebellious, wild tax-collecting friends in the same room together? Because I think Levi's thinking, if they could just meet this guy, Jesus, they wouldn't believe it, but they would love him. So what Levi does is Levi throws this big party at his house, and Jesus shows up, and he hangs out with all these tax collectors. Now, let me just go ahead and say something. If that makes you uncomfortable, or you can't believe that the Son of God would go to a party like that, you absolutely need to read your Bible, especially the Gospels, because Jesus did this all the time. Now, what's crazy about this is the people who were nothing like Jesus, they were absolutely comfortable being around Jesus. I mean, in fact, in spite of the fact that their lifestyle and their sin They knew Jesus didn't condone that. In fact, that they knew that Jesus did not condone their behavior. They were still comfortable around Jesus. Now, here's the thing that I want to kind of insert here. Whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not, you may have had some experiences in in a church or in some interactions with other, other people who call themselves Christians, and it's left this bad taste in your mouth or in your heart. Because you feel like your interactions with them left you feeling judged. They, they seemed so arrogant. They were always trying to make a point about how right they were and how wrong that you were. And they had all their Christian t-shirts and they quoted all these Bible verses. And they kind of preached to you all the time. And you were just absolutely uncomfortable around them all the time. You didn't even feel accepted. It made, made you, some of you, it's why some of you question, is the message of Jesus good? But here's the thing that we absolutely hope that you realize today, and that is this it was never like that with Jesus. Matter of fact, if you could meet Jesus, I guarantee you, you would like Jesus and you would feel comfortable around him. I mean, you would look him in the eyes and he would look you in the eyes and you wouldn't feel, feel condemned or judged. You would feel unconditionally loved and unconditionally accepted by Jesus. In fact, if you invited him over to your house for a party or your guy's night out or whatever, here's what I can tell you. Your friends would like Jesus. And I know that because it happened again and again and again in the first century and it's happening right here in Levi's house. Now, here's the other thing I want you to understand. If you're a follower of Jesus and that makes you uncomfortable that Jesus would do that, I understand that because that just used to bother me all the time. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay careful attention to this next part of this story because there is a lesson in this for all of us who go, oh, that just feels uncomfortable. Why would Jesus do this? Look at verse 30. But the Pharisees, And the teachers of law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Now, isn't there just always those people out there? They're just always complaining about something. Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, here's what's interesting about these Pharisees and the teachers of law who belonged to the Pharisee sect, and that is this. They didn't have the guts to go to Jesus. Now, isn't that how it works with religious churchy people? They don't have the guts to go to the person who's really trying to make a difference in the world. They always go to somebody else. So they call Jesus' disciples over and they say, what are you doing hanging out with a man who hangs out with people like that? You shouldn't be found with people who are tax collectors. Now, here's the other thing you need to understand, that these guys, they were outside. They were in the house And they're raising such a ruckus that in a moment you're going to see it gets the attention of Jesus. I mean, they're just raising a fuss. They're making a scene. And here's what's interesting about that. Because the type of person will change from scenario to scenario, but that same attitude has existed among every generation of religious people. And some people in church are not Christ followers. They're religious. And what they do is they complain about the people who are really trying to reach people with the gospel. So religious people, what they always do is they find this way to make one sin or one group of people worse than all the other people. And they shun the people involved in certain behaviors. But here's the thing we have to understand by looking at that story. Jesus did the exact opposite. Now, they're raising such a fuss... They're making so much chaos that Jesus in the house, they're outside of the house making all this racket and you know, fussing and complaining so much that Jesus overhears their criticism and he does only as he can do. He gives them a simple but powerful explanation for why the holiest, the most righteous person on the planet would hang out with unholy, ungodly, unrighteous people. Look at verse 31. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So Jesus says, hey guys, what good would a doctor be with for only patients who are healthy? Well, what good would that be? Because the minute somebody got sick, that doctor would just abandon them. And that wouldn't be very helpful. Because when you really stop and think about it, what is a doctor's goal? It's always to get and always keep their patients healthy. You have to start with people, this is literally what Jesus is saying, you have to start with people where they are. That's why doctors spend most of their time with sick people. So Jesus goes on to say, have I not come to call, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, he's saying, I'm not here to hang out with the already convinced. I don't always need to be surrounded by people following me who just absolutely agree with me. That defeats the purpose. So I'm here, what Jesus is saying is I'm here to help people who think that sin is a good way to live realize that it is actually a destructive way to live. I'm here to help tax collectors who think that greed is the best way to live understand that generosity is the best way to live. I'm here to help people who think that intimacy is found in free and promiscuous sexual activity realize that intimacy is actually found in sexual purity. I'm here to help people who think that pride is the path to significance realize that humility is the path to significance. And I'm here to help people who did not understand that they have love and access to God and that he accepts them as they are, realize that they have a heavenly father who's willing, who loves him so much that he's willing to give his one and only son to forgive and adopt them into his family. But most of all, I am here to help everyone who questions, is God good? And is the gospel message good? Understand that it is better than good. That's what Jesus is saying. It's why I'm here. So if you wonder why we as a church are so passionate about being a church of Christ followers who want unchurched people to feel welcome and love to attend our church, man, this is why we want the world to understand that following Jesus, the gospel, having a relationship with Jesus, it is good. In fact, you could write this down. Jesus basically taught the more you love Jesus, the more you'll love people who don't. Because see, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but I came into the world to save the world. So literally what Jesus is saying is the closer you follow Jesus, the more your heart is going to desire that the people who don't know the good news of the gospel will absolutely hear the good news of the gospel. See, it's the only reason to celebrate Christmas because we really believe it's good. Otherwise, if we're not passionate about other people hearing it, why would you celebrate Christmas? Listen, what Jesus is absolutely saying to us is it's impossible to grow spiritually and not be more passionate about people that Jesus cared for the most, that Jesus died for. So what Jesus basically teaches us through his life and teachings is, is that spiritual maturity, it is not measured by how much you know about God or the Bible. It is measured by how much you love people that are nothing like you. And let's just be real honest. That's not easy, is it? It's not easy at all. Because the more chaos and the more uncertainty that we experience in the world around us, the more powerful the pull, the more powerful the tug is to look inward and just focus on what we can get out of things and what we can enjoy. But what Jesus is saying is you can't truly follow me and not care about the people who are nothing like Jesus. So what I want to do is I just want to wrap this conversation up this morning by giving you some very practical ways to practice this. In fact, I'm going to give you four ways. Because see, Jesus, what he did when he came is he gave us a roadmap by coming to the earth and modeling for us what God is like. And here's the thing. The New Testament church followers, man, they left a great example as well. So based upon what Jesus told us, and how the New Testament church lived this out, and there was great success from it, I want to give you four practical ideas that I'm going to encourage you to embrace as we begin 2022. Here's the first one. Jesus leaned relationally in the direction of those he disagreed with most, and we should too. So here's my question. Who do you spend most of your time with? Where, Where do you lean in relationally? Listen, if you're not building relationships with people who believe differently than you, then it's impossible to walk toward the messes of their spirituality, so to speak. See, you can only win friends or people who believe you love them to Jesus. You cannot win your enemies. And when we, as people who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we attack People who believe differently than us, or we attack people who have politically different ideology than us, they don't see that the gospel message is good. We obscure that. To be like Jesus means you have to spend time with people who live and think and act differently than you do, so you can't stay in your comfort zone if you're going to be a person that's about sharing the good news of the gospel. No, if you're going to be a person that's good about the good news of the gospel is you got to do like Jesus. You got to take a step. And it was a big step for Jesus to go from heaven to earth. It's going to be a big step for you. Some of you to just take a step across the room, across the gym, across the street, across the classroom, in the office to be a friend to people who are nothing like you. See, here's the thing that you have to understand. Jesus has brought your mission field right in front of you. Jesus has brought those people right to you. You have access to them for a reason. So Jesus leaned relationally in the direction of those he disagreed with the most, and we should too. Second thing we learn from this story, and that is this. Jesus was not concerned with guilt by association, and neither should we. Some of you, you, you don't share the gospel of Jesus with other people because you're too worried what other people might think if they think that you are somehow or another building a relationship with someone and you fill in the blank. But let me just help you. You shouldn't care. If you're sharing the gospel with somebody, if you're criticized for loving others and sharing the gospel, that's okay. You're in good company because Jesus was too. People criticized him for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. In fact, Jesus had a reputation for being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You know why he had that reputation? Because he earned it. He hung out with them. And while the Pharisees and religious leaders of that day meant for that label of Jesus being a friend of tax collectors and sinners as an insult, Jesus embraced it. You know why? Because that's why he came. So people could hear the good news that God loved them, God cared about them, and God had a plan and purpose for their life. And then the third thing that we learn about this is Jesus refused to be dragged into debates that distracted from what matters the most. We should Listen, when you study and and you read the teachings of Jesus and you watch his interactions with people, what you begin to understand is you don't have to answer every question that you're asked. You don't have to give your opinion on every issue that's presented because when you look at Jesus' interaction with people, sometimes people would ask him a question and he would simply respond with another question. Do you know why he would do that? because he did not want to get involved in arguments that would be divisive and keep him from being able to reach more people with the good news that God loved them. And too many times, what we do is... um, Well, people who call themselves followers of Jesus, they give the impression that the message of Jesus is not good because they're always in this debate. They're always in this argument. They're always trying to prove how right they are and how wrong the rest of the world is. And oftentimes I kind of get criticized for that. We get criticized as a church. And I hear things like, um, you know, why, why don't your church take a stand and be more vocal on Facebook about these kind of things? Or why don't you share your opinion on Facebook? Listen, here's why our church doesn't take a stand on every issue or share our opinion on every social media platform about every issue that comes into our community or into our world because we are more concerned with earning the right to point people to Jesus. We are here to build bridges to the gospel, not walls that keep people from understanding Jesus. So here's what Jesus teaches us. Don't spend your life arguing about controversial stuff. It's okay to let it go. Keep the focus on Jesus. And how do you keep the focus on Jesus? By loving people like Jesus did. And then you let Jesus deal with the other stuff once the people are following Jesus because he has more power to change people than you have power to change people because the only thing that can change people is the Holy Spirit. And then finally, Jesus didn't judge non-Christians for behaving like non-Christians, and we won't either. Jesus even said this in John 14. He says, if anybody hears these words of mine and does not do them, and most of us church people would go, well, Jesus would say he's gonna send them to hell or he's gonna condemn them. He goes, no, I don't even judge them because I didn't come to judge the world. I don't condemn them because I didn't come to condemn the world, but I came to save the world. Now, he says there later on in a couple of verses later, he says, yeah, there will be consequences for people who reject Jesus ultimately, but that's not today. Today is the day of salvation, he says. And so the question that we all have to ask ourselves, why in the world would you expect someone who does not have a relationship with God, who's not filled with the Holy Spirit of God, to hold his values and live as if they did? So what Jesus teaches us is don't try to change the behavior of someone by pointing out how wrong they are or by arguing some political point or any other kind of divisive judgmental argument. It's just really silly to put the focus there because you're building a wall to the gospel being good in people's minds rather than a bridge to that. No, Jesus is saying, I need you to live such a way, interact with people in such a way that you're pointing them to Jesus. And here's what I can promise you after pastoring for 28 years. I can promise you once people meet Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, he will change their hearts and their behaviors will naturally follow. That is the only thing that will change the heart of an individual is for the Spirit of God to indwell them, not our condemnation, not our judgment but our love and then them experiencing the love of Jesus and then them being transformed from the inside out now here's the thing That's what it looks like to love like Jesus. And that's what it looks like for us in this culture to quit trying to condemn our culture for not just acting like a Christian when they're non-Christian and do everything we can as a church to make sure that we are demonstrating the love of Christ and making sure that people see that the gospel is good. Now, here's the thing. This is why we do everything we as a church can to show people that we are so concerned about them having a relationship with God through the way that we love them rather than trying to make a point. And you know, here's the thing. We don't always get this right. Sometimes it's so easy to get distracted. And sometimes other Christians, they misunderstand our motives and that is okay for them to misunderstand. I mean, but here's my thing. There is too much at stake. People's eternity are at stake not to walk toward the messes and love people like Jesus loved. So here's what I'm gonna say to you today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what I know is this, is we all spent time celebrating Jesus coming to earth, but here's the thing you need to understand. Jesus was our model for loving people. So here's my question to you. Will you join us in doing that in 2022? See, we need you to get involved more than ever and invest in relationships with people who don't know Jesus. It's more important than ever. I have more conversations with people. Well, can you believe the state of our world? Can you understand? Can you believe? Absolutely, I can believe it. Because when people don't have a relationship with Jesus, it only leads to more chaos. Political reasoning, rationale, political powers and parties are not going to save our world. The only thing that's going to save our world is people having a relationship with Jesus. If we are serious as followers of Jesus Christ, that we want our world changed, then we have to be serious about the gospel. And here's the thing, Jesus has placed people in your life, and the lives of people around you that I will never have the chance to influence, our staff will never have the chance to influence, but you will have the opportunity because God has put them in your neighborhood, God has put them in your workplace, God has put them in your home. You have an opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity in 2022 to show the love of Jesus Christ. And the second thing I wanna ask you is this. Will you be more intentional by investing time and money this next year. Because I'm telling you, this mission that God has called us to do, it is way too big. It's too big a task for a few people to try to accomplish this. You you gotta understand this. All of our churches today, man, there are thousands of people in every one of our communities who are not in church because they don't understand that the gospel message of Jesus is good. They don't know that God wants to have a relationship with them. And most of them, they're good people but they've had a bad experience with a church or with some Christians, so they've missed God's grace and it's impacting their families. It is straining their marriage. I mean, they're struggling with their kids. I hear these stories all the time. I mean, there is tension with their parents and with their siblings. Some of these people, they're addicted to drugs and alcohol and they desperately want to break free, but they don't have the power to do it on their own and they need Jesus's help and they need our support, not our compassion condemnation some of them are carrying enormous guilt from decisions and regrets of the past they've got guilt and regret from abortions from affairs from divorces from fights with their family and broken relationship with their family I mean there are wives that I've talked to who have tried for years to get their husbands into church but it's been so unsuccessful because he's so uncomfortable because of what he's experienced from Christians over the years I mean, there are parents who are on the verge of losing their 16, 17, 18-year-olds. But here's the thing you got to understand. We all say that we're concerned about that. But all we want to do is show up at church when we feel like showing up or when it's convenient for us. And we want to serve when it's convenient for us. And we want to invest when it's convenient for us. But then we want to complain about the situation of our world. Listen. The only thing that's going to change our world is when we who follow Jesus truly follow Jesus and sacrificially love every day to make sure people understand the good news of the gospel. So this next year, there are going to be some people that are going to show up on our campuses. And here's what I know. We have one shot to capture their attention and make them feel at home, to create an experience that they love and to point them to Jesus. For them, everything's riding on how much Do we love as Jesus loved? So here's my question to you. Are you truly committed to walking toward the messes? Are you truly committed to being a church of Christ followers who create churches that unchurched people feel welcome to and love to attend? And here's why we've done this for years, because we know that their lives will be changed forever and their eternities will be changed forever. So here's my question for you for this next week. Who do you need to walk towards? Where do you need to start serving? How how do you need to start giving generously this next year? Here's what I know. The more you love Jesus, the more you'll love people who don't. So I really pray that you'll join us in helping us reach our communities in 2022 because here's the thing, everybody needs compassion. Everybody needs kindness. Everybody needs to experience the mercy and the love of our Savior. Everybody needs to know that a relationship with Jesus is good, that the gospel is good, not just those of us who are church people. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for... Um, Just this incredible story. This model of your heart for people. And I just pray that as we begin this next year, uh, it'll just be a model for us and be a reminder for us that there is nothing more important than making sure that we're showing the love of Jesus to those in our community that we're making sure that we're presenting the gospel in such a way that people understand the gospel is good news and not just good news for a few select people, but good news for all the people. So God, I just ask that um, this next week as we're moving toward a new year, you'll convict all of our hearts with a new level of passion so that we will begin investing our lives at a new level in relationships with people who are far from you. And and we even invest our lives by the way that we serve and the way that we're generous with our time and our resources. Make sure the gospel is moving forward. God, help us to be so convicted. The next time we complain about the state of our world, if we've not shared the gospel with people, if we're not sharing the gospel, May your Holy Spirit remind us the only way that our minds and our hearts are transformed and renewed, the only way we become a community, a state, a nation, a world that is Christ-like is when Christ is fully indwelling us through the Spirit. God, may we just see the way the world has changed so differently as we go into this next year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone, thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next week, next year. Have a great week.